comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Brad Milo, Jim Dietz, and Russell Latham. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Good. You know, I know, I know this is an audio podcast, but if you could see me, I'm pouring out my 40 for our friend Merle. Spoiler alert. And maybe like a quarter of a shot glass for Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I got a funny story. When I'm watching this episode, the uh, DVR was programmed to do something else, which is really strange. I'm not sure what happened. So it cut away from the tail end scene and uh i missed like 30 seconds of it and so i had to wait two hours to see the replay to actually see those 30 seconds (laughs) yeah so i saw ben get shot but i never saw him again and i was like whatever happened to ben well then i found out what happened to ben in the 30 seconds that i got to catch up on two hours after it aired so crazy i hate when dvrs mess me up man yeah well before we get to the episode proper we got a few odds and ends to get to uh first off the walking dead survival instinct video game is out and uh the verdict is that it's not very good in fact the verdict is that it's pretty terrible um from the reviews i've seen so stick to the original Walking Dead uh, point-and-click adventure game, which, if you like point-and-click adventure games like I do, is really awesome, and uh, probably stay away from this one unless you just feel like blowing a few bucks on a rental. That That is the general consensus I've seen online. Yeah, the meta, the uh, Metacritic score for it is a 37. Uh, out of 100. Um, the, the way to differentiate them, the one with unfortunately, the one with Merle and Daryl is the one that you want to avoid. Uh, it's from Activision and uh, from Quantum Dream. The one that you want to uh, seek out that was really excellent is a point-and-click adventure that Jordan is talking about. is available for 360 and PS3 on disc now. Uh, that's from Telltale Games. So that's the one you want to play. Unfortunately, the new one, not so good. It's unfortunate, but hey, we want to give you guys uh, the honest uh, the honest truth for what's out there. And we don't want to just promote it because it's Walking Dead. If, if the word is it's bad, hey... That's what we're going to tell you. Uh, also, I believe, Bradley, you have some uh, some iTunes reviews and a voicemail for us. Yeah, I've got a couple of new iTunes reviews. Uh, Buppy's son says, very appreciative of this podcast. Uh, five stars. I agree with pretty much all of your hosts. Uh, I'm sorry, of all of your views. I pretty much agree with all of your views. Thanks for keeping up 
uh, with the show and podcasting. I agree that I believe King County will become a Woodbury-type living community. It seems Michonne and Rick may end up in a close platonic relationship as Carl respects her and looks up to her, perhaps. Well, it would definitely be interesting to see how that plays out after this episode. Uh, Buzz Hote says four stars. They know their stuff. Dude with the deep voice is the nerd version of Barry White. Yes, he is. <laughs> a not the first time. Not the first time someone has said that. But thank you. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's a. It's a very common uh, compliment. Uh, a decent listen in the top five of Walking Dead podcasts. Thank you for that, and thank you for. Uh, leaving us reviews on our iTunes page. We appreciate that. I have two voicemails. We'll listen to one now, and uh, that deals with um, last week's episode. It was it was sent to us before uh, this last episode aired, so let's hear that one now. Hello, gentlemen. Just listened to your latest show. Good job again. Uh, this is Meg from Poughkeepsie. Um, I really hope that we do not see the governor in the next season. I don't like the character at all, and he's not what I was hoping for in terms of Sinister, and we're only getting that right now. Um, but I do see your point that they sort of needed to build up and show him kind of losing his uh, his grip um, and being more like the governor from the comic book. But I'd really like it if he were eliminated and actually we sort of move on to a whole new scenario for the next season much as we circled around and, and hovered around the, the farm in the last season and we're covering between these two locations in this season, maybe Rick and the gang could take over Woodbury or, or, or I don't know, the prison hasn't been working out for the gang. So um, uh, I think that um, maybe one guy, one, somebody from the inside is going to kill the governor. Uh, I'm hoping Martinez, maybe he wants to take over, or Milton finally uh, gets gets a handle on reality, or or Tyrese, um, he's a likely guy to kill the governor. Um, and Jordan, sir, uh, guys, leave some of the stuff out at the end there. I don't want to know about, I, I like to think of you guys <laughs> in one way, and I don't really want to hear about your partying, but, um, you know, it's, it's it's okay. I like to leave some things left to the imagination. Um, and, uh, yeah, just revealed a little too much TMI. <laughs> okay, at the end of your last show. Love you guys. Take care. Fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. I would agree with Meg when she says um, that this governor's, you know, not what she wanted. I mean, I understand what she's saying. It's not the, the comic book governor. And I, too, um, don't want to see him next season. I want... Uh, I want new things, new stories, new settings. Um, I, I think to have him appear next season uh, would would cheapen uh, the show, cheapen uh, that character. So now, anyway. would you feel the same if he only showed up once or twice, like maybe at the end of next season, but he wasn't a full time every episode type deal? Well, what would be the point? In that, well, if let's say they don't kill him, but he gets away, and then he shows up kind of on a cliffhanger out of nowhere at the end of next season, and then they finally kill him there. Or alternately, if Rick's group uh, leaves the prison and uh, they think they're free of the governor finally, and things get back to normal, and then he shows up again at the end of next season. Not saying it's yeah. likely to happen. I'm just curious on what you would think. No, of that. no, I could live with that. I mean, I think um, the neat thing about this show is that. Each season, there's a different um, danger, 
and I think to move on to a new danger next season would would be a good thing. But then to have a callback to this season at the end of next season, that would that would be fine with me. You know, it, we might write off the governor thinking that's the last time we'll see him, and then boom, you know, here he is at the end of season four or whatever. That'd be fine with me. I hope I disagree with you guys. I hope he sticks around. I think. He, they've taken their time building him up to this character and for in two episodes for him to really get more interesting for them to just truncate that and kill him off and then we start something completely new next season. One, I think it's a little cliched. The whole every season has a big bad or every season has this this thing. I'd like to see that kind of broken up a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know if I, if I want to go through a whole other season um, with them dangling this plot line and, and moving that story forward. But I think at least maybe the halfway point, maybe maybe the next half season, if they can carry it forward. But I, th- I think he's just now getting to be this really interesting character that uh, that they could have a lot of uh, back and forth with going on. And I just I would hate to see that just kind of truncated. Yeah, that's um, that kind of reflects something that she said, too, is that you know it took it took the governor a while to get to where he was in that we knew him uh, the, you know close to the way we knew him in the graphic novel with that ferocity and that level of crazy and that level of malice. Um, we, I mean, we really saw it this week, obviously, with him and Merle. But now that the governor is, is full psycho, you know, now is when he's interesting. I mean, he's more interesting to me now than, you know, more, uh, he was you know, trying to be nice guy Philip to Andrea or whatever. And I agree with Russ to, to like, kind of, you know, discard him now would be a, a terrible idea, I think, because right now is when he's really cool and interesting and just as crazy, if not more so, than Merle was. I think it's, I think it's too little too late. Um, I'm already bored with the governor. And, you know, just now that he's starting to be crazy, well, this should have happened halfway through the season. We should have seen this him progress to the craziness a little sooner. Um, you know, and I think to drag it out another half season would be a big mistake. Well, only time will tell. Should we get into the synopsis, gentlemen? Please. Alrighty, season three, episode 15 is entitled This Sorrowful Life. And if you'll remember from the end of two weeks ago, uh, when we were last at the prison uh, for an extended period of time, Rick had told Herschel what was really going on with the deal with the governor about how the governor wanted Michonne, and according to the governor, he would let them go free if they handed her over. Um, at the beginning of this episode, Rick has also told Daryl, and uh, so him, Daryl, and Herschel are discussing the offer and whether or not to go ahead with it, um, and they, they kind of debate, well, if we're going to do it, if we really think this will work, if we think it's worth the risk, what's the best way to go along with it? So Herschel says he doesn't want to have any part of it. And Daryl seems reluctant, but as as normal, he is willing to support Rick, you know, being kind of the muscle, the second in command. Even if he doesn't like the decision, he's going to do his best with it. Um, and he suggests, hey, we're going to need, you know, more muscle on this. So this is where Rick goes to Merle for help. Um, Merle has been using his uh, his knife arm to tear up mattresses looking for any drugs, he and he can't find any. He says this is probably a very boring prison. Um, and he says he's interested in the development, but he doesn't think Rick has the spine for it. And this is the scene we saw last week during Talking Dead, or at least part of it, where, it, I mean, there's two ways you can read it. One, Merle thinks this is a good idea, and he doesn't believe Rick has the spine for it, or Merle still doesn't believe this is a good idea, and he's trying to play devil's advocate in a way to talk Rick out of it. And even with the way the episode plays out, I still think you could read it either way. I love the, I love the effect he, call, he, he called him officer-friendly. 
Yeah, which I believe is a callback to the first time they met. Yeah, I think so. I uh, I had a real hard time with Rick going along with turning over Michonne. I just, it, to me, it kind of shows Rick as a character of lesser intelligence, and it kind of demeans his ability as a leader. Because I think, you know, the the whole point, I think, of the, the face-to-face with the governor was him to get a read on him and figure out what he's all about. I mean, this is the same guy that shot the guys in the bar in Nebraska because he knew they were up to no good. His his cop instinct kicked over. And for him to think that there's any hope that he's going to let them come out of this alive by giving over Michonne, I, I just had a real, real hard time with reconciling that. I mean, I know a lot of it's just a plot device, but I think they could have come up with another way to do it. I just, I don't know. There's just something about that. I just really had a hard time getting past. Even if it was just showing Rick to be more reluctant, because it's felt like at the end of two episodes ago when he was talking to Herschel, I mean, he even said, I I need you to talk me out of this, but you could tell his heart wasn't in it. He was holding on to the slight bit of hope that maybe this would work, but his heart was not in it. Well, the way it could have played out, I mean, what if Merle had just taken Michonne on his own as to try to make peace himself with the governor? You know what I mean? I mean, there are a lot of other ways, like Russ said, that could have played out without Rick having to toy with the idea of having to turn over one of his group. Right. It seemed like a very un-Rick thing to do. I understand what he's saying. The thing that bothers me about this scene only bothers me in hindsight after having watched the whole episode. If he's trying to discourage Rick from doing this, then why does he end up doing it himself? You know, something just doesn't jive there with me. It didn't. It seemed inconsistent. Well, I mean, he's still, like I said, there's two ways to read it, and either he was playing devil's advocate and was saying he was going along with it but was really trying to to turn him away, or he really did think, hey, it's possible this works, but you really, you, Rick, really don't have this mind to do this, which is what, according to what he tells Daryl, and I think according to what we saw in the whole episode, he really didn't think that Rick had um, the the gusto for it, and, and honestly, Rick didn't, as we saw throughout the rest of the show. So he was just trying to discourage Rick so he could end up doing it himself? Yeah, I mean, you could read it that way. And, and even in the conversation, I don't remember if it was with Daryl or with uh, Michonne, but how, you know, he, he is comfortable, according to what he says at that point in the show, he's comfortable with being the bad guy and doing the things that need to be done, but other uh, stronger-willed people aren't willing to do. Which is, you know, it, it, it does make him the bad guy, but it also makes him a necessary part of the community in some ways. And I think that was his role in Woodbury in a lot of places was doing the dirty work. And so he's been used to that now for almost a year. Um, even though he switched sides, he still sees kind of that opening in, in this group, in the prison group, you know, Daryl will follow along with what Rick says, but no one is really prepared to be the bad guy. Like he is. Merle is like the Wolverine of the group. Yeah, he just needs a couple more knives. He's getting close. I mean, he's like the... I didn't even think about him having <laughs> blades on his Actually, head, he's like a Age of Apocalypse Wolverine. He's he's the guy that will cross the line, you know, that nobody else wants to. Right. So later on, Merle has a conversation with Daryl uh, where he says he thinks it's hypocrisy for them to hand over Michonne to the governor since they're already angry at Merle for doing the same thing with Glenn and Maggie, but they're willing to do it now with Michonne. Um, and so, and then as Daryl leaves or right before Daryl got there, I figured exactly how it plays out. Um, Merle takes the telephone that Rick had been using earlier on in the season to talk to, uh, dead people because he needs the wire to bind up 
Michonne, because as he told Rick earlier in the episode, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you're gonna need some strong wire to bind her hands, because otherwise she's gonna chew right through it. This is a good scene between Rita's and uh, and Michael Rooker as well. I thought when you know in that room with the phone, just kind of um, trying to feel each other out almost. You know, just like the two actors like <clears throat> really had a good. I thought they had some really good moments in the scene. And if you think about it, this is their last scene together as two humans. That's true. This is the last conversation they ever get to have. Because he kind of questions Daryl's motives as to why he's with Rick and why he's so obedient to Rick. And, um, you know, Daryl questions Merle's entire motive of living, pretty much. So uh, I I thought it was a good scene between the two. Right. So Rick is also outside. He's looking for wire to tie up Michonne. um, And he finds some Ethernet cable. When all of a sudden he has another hallucination of Lori uh, in the uh, on the catwalk, and this time she's not in a white dress and f- she's back to her just normal clothes, and in fact she's even pregnant in the uh, in the hallucination, and that is enough to snap him into the light of saying, "What am I doing here? This is ridiculous. I can't hand over Michonne. Um, he's kind of got the judging eye of his wife on him, and uh, even though he he says out loud, "I know you're not real." Uh, he he follows the advice of the hallucination anyway, the wordless advice. But even says, like, you're not real, and then looks up and she's still there. Right. You know what I mean? So, like I said, he he abandons the idea of handing over Michonne, but Merle didn't get this information, and so he takes Michonne to go clear out a corridor in the prison, and when she's busy with some zombies, he knocks her out, ties her up, and they depart the prison. So as soon as they realize that Merle is missing. Uh, Daryl decides he's going to go track them because he's the only one. I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt you. Isn't Michonne smarter than this than to know to walk off into a a secluded place with the man who kidnapped her? And and, I mean, she strikes me as a smart person, but this was a dumb thing for her to do. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like she was being cautious enough, um, at least in the beginning. But once the zombies came out, that took enough of her attention that. That uh, she lost, uh, she lost sight of his his knife hand, and he knocked her out. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, "That's a little suspicious." So, like I said, Daryl's going to track them on foot because he's the only real tracker. And we catch up with Merle and Michonne. Uh, she is tied up with wire, just like we were told. And Merle is leading her along, and they're they're talking uh, quite a bit. In fact, we get a, a pretty good characterization of Michonne here. I thought they're keeping up with the. Uh, talkative Michonne that we were introduced to a couple episodes ago. She's still got a sense of humor. Um, and this is the Michonne I think we want to see, although we don't want to see her tied up, even though she does get to kill some zombies even like that. Um, at one point, Merle uses her katana to kill some zombies and is surprised that she doesn't run off when he's doing this, and she tells him, yeah, I'm not going to leave without my sword. I definitely thought we finally were getting to see the Michonne that we've been wanting to see. I know in a previous episode I was a little concerned that, okay, we got a taste of it, and it's moving in that direction, and I hope they don't stomp it out and go backward with her. And I think from this episode, we can see that they're definitely moving forward with her character. She's speaking more. She's not just, uh, when people say something to her, just standing there quietly and, and giving them a look, that she's engaging in conversation and really being an active member of this group. And I I, I really... I I really appreciated that probably more than anything in this episode. And I think, if I remember correctly, both episodes where we've liked her um, characterization, this one and the one where they um, 
where they found Morgan. They were both written by Scott Gimple, the guy who will take over as showrunner for season four. So um, I think that's a good sign that we like his characterization of her. Yeah, this is true. Um, I did notice it was Scott Gimple, and I was very uh, happy with the result. These uh, these scenes with uh, Denai Guerra and, and Michael Rooker are all gold, too, I thought, every one of them. The one you're talking about where he uses her, her sword and she just kind of stands there and watches him do it. The scene that comes up where he's hot-wiring the car. I mean, I just I thought they, they really worked well off each other. They were just such contrasting characters. Yeah, Gimple did a good job in the writing in terms of he, he, it's still Merle. This is not a different character. He's not acting out of left field, but they're still doing their best to humanize him within the the puzzle pieces they've been given that we've seen, we've been shown so far on screen, and also humanizing Michonne um, a lot more than we've seen, but still staying within that archetype and and playing them off of each other. I think did wonders for both characters, honestly. So as they're going along down the road, uh, Merle keeps looking at different cars. Finally, he finds one that he can uh, break into. So he ties Michonne up uh, to a uh, to a support post on a porch with the wire, and uh, he breaks into a car and he starts hot wiring it because, of course, Merle would know how to do that. And the moment uh, he gets it started, the car alarm goes off, and so he goes to work on trying to stop the car alarm. And uh, that's attracting zombies all over the place. So like we said, uh, Michonne is still tied up with the wire to the post. So she's able to take out a few of them by kicking, um, kicking one down and then stomping its face in. Uh, There's another one that she garrots using the wire that she is tied up with. Um, The whole time, Merle is just working away, not really paying attention to all the zombies coming in until one almost bites him. Uh, He comes up, he kills it, uh, he sets her free, and they escape. He can't. He can't hear her yelling for him because of the alarm. And was the was the um, radio on also? I don't think the radio is going yet. That that happens a little bit later. Okay, but yeah, it was obviously loud enough that he couldn't hear. And I'm a big fan of that. uh, uh, What did you say? The garrot? Yeah, she garrots it. Yeah, yeah. I'm was a big fan of that kill. That was kind of nice. Yeah, and showing just how dangerous Michonne is. Even tied up, she can take care of herself. I kind of got a Princess Leia Jabba the Hutt vibe off of that kill. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> I, I love that Merle is able to hotwire a car with one hand. Well, as as he pointed out teeth. in The Talking Dead, he used his teeth also. So. so they get in the car, they make their escape, and they continue to talk. And and something I really liked, because I, uh, all too often in these shows where two people have the information, one person doesn't, or two people have a conversation without the another person, you know, somebody gets the wrong idea, they believe everyone was out to get them, and so they're angry even though that wasn't what happened. And, and I say that to say that in this case, Merle is very clear that this was my idea. Rick, you know, the governor offered Rick this deal, but Rick didn't have the stomach for it, so I'm doing it. So in other words, we won't have to deal next week with, hopefully, with Michonne being all ticked off at Rick for something that he, yes, he was kind of going to do, but he really decided against it. It was very clear from Merle, this is me, this is not Rick. And they go through this whole conversation where they discuss whether Merle, you know, how many people Merle has killed, whether he killed people before the zombie apocalypse or before the governor. Um, all these different things. I think he said he killed 16 people. And eventually, uh, Merle decides, you know what? I can't do this. He lets uh, Michonne go. He gives her her katana. And he says, uh, you know, pretty much don't follow me. I've got some stuff i got to do. And he drives off. I was uh, happy, I guess is the best word, um, that we saw this in Merle. You know, 
um, I, I it just worked for me this scene to see him come around and it's like Daryl saw something in his brother the whole time and this is what this is the brother that Daryl loves you know this is we finally get to see the Merle that Daryl knows and uh, it, I just I just liked it a lot you know that that he had some good in him there's still good in him. Well, and I think it's also interesting that, you know, we've seen this be- oh, with Daryl because we've seen a lot more with Daryl. But, you know, Daryl puts on this front of, oh, I'm the big tough guy. Don't mess with me. But underneath that, you know, he loves kids. He's a he's a he's a he's an old soul. He's a he, he's a softy. Um, and so it's nice to see that there's a lot of that with Merle, too. Merle just puts up a much bigger, much stronger, much more obnoxious front. But there's still that. I don't want to. Say, I don't know if "softy" is the right word, but there's still the humanity underneath there. Um, I rarely watch The Talking Dead, but I did last night for some reason. It was a pretty good episode, I thought too. And uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't watch it because I don't want to repeat anything that I might hear from that show on this show. That's why I don't watch it. But I will repeat something that Michael Rooker said. He said he he feels like that's always been who Merle is. You know, deep down, he's always been that guy, but he just hasn't shown it. Uh, you know, he's he's always hidden it for various reasons. And um, I tend to think that's probably been the case. You know, my brother and I are very similar. So I would like to think that Merle and, and Daryl are very similar in some respects as well. And that uh, having that that core. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethics. Yeah, that core ethical way of of living your life you know apparently they both have it you know we just are now seeing it in merle and i, and I really liked that they, they share a similar code even if it's not the yeah. most popular one it is right. similar and they, they do try to live by it so we have a short scene where daryl who like we said has been tracking them finds michonne um he basically sends her back to the prison and tells her i'm still going after my brother and like uh, like merle told her if i remember correctly don't follow me I, i've got this so we catch up with Merle. Uh, he's sitting inside the car. Uh, he's uh, he's outside of a liquor store. He's drinking. I forget exactly which type of whiskey it was, but he's drinking whiskey. And he is listening to Motorhead, which is a very nice touch. And uh, he's got the windows rolled down just enough so the zombies can hear it. And they start swarming the car. And he uh, puts the car in drive. And he goes a few feet at a time, letting the zombies follow him. Uh, he eventually gets to the point where they're outside that uh, that barn where the governor and Rick met a few episodes ago and he leads all the zombies right up to the group of people that are there. He bails out of the car and all of a sudden, so Martinez, uh, Ben, Alan, the governor, everybody else who's there, they hear this music. They go to investigate. They find the zombies. They start shooting him. Merle, uh, put some of his, uh, his tactical training. Cause remember he was in the armed forces at some point. If we, as we remember from his, um, his heat stroke ramblings on the roof back in season one. And uh, he puts that training into good use. He goes into one of the buildings and he starts picking off the governor's people one by one. And even with some alcohol in him, we don't know how much, but even with some, he is an excellent shot. He takes down three or four people, I believe, before he finally sees the governor in his sights. And uh, he doesn't miss, but Ben Allen's son steps right in front of uh, the bullet uh, right at the wrong moment, and he gets taken down instead of the governor. Uh, the governor spots where the, the shooter is at, and Alan, the governor, Martinez, everybody converges on Merle. I gotta say, for a redneck, Merle's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, um, 
causing all kind of commotion, gathering walkers around his car, going a few feet, stopping, letting them catch up. You know, I could see him going, you know, a couple of miles this way, taking forever to get there, but, you know, he's collected this huge herd. I thought that was a very smart uh, tactic and, and way of doing it. Well, I don't I don't think Merle would be old enough probably to have fought in Vietnam, right? I don't I don't think he'd be I don't think the timeline is right for him to have been in Vietnam. Maybe first Iraq. How old do you think Merle is? That's uh, hard. I know it's hard Rooker, to say. Rooker's almost sixty, I think. Well, but I think my, Merle's in his forties. My sixty-five, I think sixty-five, sixty, sixty-eight, sixty-seven-year-old uncle fought in Vietnam. Well, my my point was that even if he didn't, if he, even if he's not old enough to have fought in Vietnam, it certainly felt to me, at least from the Vietnam movies and TV shows I've seen, that he had learned some guerrilla tactics from people who had worked there, or not worked there, but people who had fought there, uh, whether or not they were still oh, in it's the work. forces and trained them. It's or work. What. It ain't play. It's all work. <laughs> I understand, but it's it, it's 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 they fought there. Yeah, they no. didn't uh, they didn't file paperwork too yeah. much. But it certainly felt like that guerrilla, that guerrilla fighting style, using the environment to your advantage, that kind of thing. I think it's, it was like Brad said, really good tactics, and uh, I mean, he was able to take out a lot of the you know, the governor's front guys, you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys who could shoot straight, you know. I mean, they keep going out of their way to show us that Woodbury, you know, the, a lot of the people that have guns don't really know how to use them, but you know, Merle's able to take out some of you know front line guys here. Yeah. So they're converging on Merle's location. Uh, he has to fight o- off a zombie, which uh, attacks him, and that gives the governor and Martinez enough time to attack him. Uh, the governor starts, you know, kicking the crap out of him. Eventually, bites off two of Merle's fingers on his one remaining hand and spits him out. And uh, then Merle pretty much says, "You're going to have to kill me because I am not going to beg you. I am not. I am not coming back to your side. This is it, buddy." And the governor shoots him, and we cut to commercial. And there's, we didn't know exactly where he shot him either. No, it, it wasn't even a hundred percent clear if he had been shot. You know. Well, that, I would, I would say that it, it was a hundred percent clear that he had been shot. I mean, we didn't see it, but what else? You know, the governor's not gonna not miss when he's right there, so it's a given. I, I that, agree, but it's, from reading comic books, it's one of those things like there's no body, therefore no death. If you know what I mean. Okay, true. I I see that, but I was ready know, for a double cross. I think the point he's making is the shot was the way the shot was what as it went to commercial only showed the gun it didn't show the the bullet going in right and that's what I was saying we didn't know where he got shot you know I I assumed he got shot but we didn't know where but in in my head I thought Merle just died Merle is dead he just got shot in the brain but as we find out later that's not what happened right but before we get to that Russ who is our sponsor for this episode our sponsor for the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can save a boatload of money on your comics, trades, statues, hardcovers, trade paperbacks, T-shirts, all kinds of cool collectibles uh, over there. They've got some some great specials going on this month. Um, you can get... Uh, all the Marvel Now titles, if you're if you're interested in what Marvel's been doing with reshuffling books and starting off with new creative teams, you can bundle all of those Marvel Now books for fifty percent off. So you can get them for a total of seventy four seventy nine. That's all of the 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 Marvel Now titles. All of the DC and Marvel trades and hardcovers for pre order this month are fifty percent off. So that's a great deal. There's a lot of uh, really good stuff this month 
uh, in the trade and hardcover uh, section if you're not into the to the monthly scene, as it were. Um, you can also, if you're a frequent customer, get your previews digitally now. So instead of getting that big phone book shipped to you for a buck twelve, the same great price, you can get a digital copy that won't jack up your shipment if uh, if it happens to be late or early or whatever. Uh, you could still get your previews on time and then get your comics uh, as you prefer to either wait till the last week of the month, um, depending on if you have monthly or bi-weekly shipping. Um, Another thing you can do is if you link your Comixology account through uh, DCBService.com, you can earn 5% of your digital comic purchases uh, to DCBS, which will go through, go count towards uh, future orders. So if you're, if you're into the digital stuff and you want to, uh, you know, maybe there's a cool hardcover that comes out or a statue or, or uh, some, some really cool Walking Dead paraphernalia, then you can um, parlay that 5% back towards that. So, um, Really, really good stuff. You can follow them at DCB Service and at In Stock Trades on Twitter's or Twitter, uh, <laughs> where they have weekly deals and updates uh, going on. So once again, that's DCBService.com. We thank them for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. There's more than one Twitter. There's many Twitter. It's their twi- Twitters. Oh, and don't forget the code. Use WD8 and uh, save an extra eight percent on your first order, or if you haven't ordered in the last year. Thank you very much, Russ. And then you could Twitters about it. <laughs> that you saved all this money. On the internets. The Facebooks. The Twitters. So while all this is going on with Merle and the governor and the zombies, back at the prison, Glenn goes to Herschel, and uh, he pulls out the pocket watch that Herschel had given him last season, and he says, you know, when you gave this to me, I didn't really understand what it meant. You know, I understood kind of, but I didn't realize the gravity of what this was. And now, after everything we've been through, I do. And I, he asks Herschel for permission to marry Maggie. And, you know, he says, you know, we might only be alive another week. I don't know. We might die tomorrow. But I feel like I need to do this. And Herschel gives him his blessing. That was a really cool scene. I like I like that a lot. Yeah, I thought this was a cool scene too, Ross. I just really... Uh, you know these characters uh, just you know have grown so close over the the course of the you know the different um seasons and to see him you know really understand you know the gravity of you know him trusting and trusting his daughter to him you know and to to him for him to come back to ask for you know her hand pretty much you know in the most old fashioned way possible I just thought it was really kind of touching and a, a good scene for both actors for sure i liked uh i liked the fact that Herschel smiled yeah that was neat seeing that. So the next time we see Glenn, he's out at the fences, and uh, he's looking from zombie to zombie, and I think, I don't know if this is how they did it in the comics, but I pretty quickly caught on to what he was doing, but he's going from zombie to zombie, he's looking at him really closely, you know, on the other side of the fence until he finds one uh, that works, and that zombie puts its hand up to the fence trying to get at him, and he cuts off two of its fingers, uh, and again, they don't really show you what he's doing, but it's pretty easy to pick up on it. And then later on, uh, he goes to Maggie, and he, and, uh, or Maggie comes to him. One of them comes to the other and says, hey, Rick wants us uh, in the main room. He's got something to tell us. And Glenn says, but before we do that, um, he, they, they share a few words, and then he puts something in her hand, and he says, here, and she opens up her hand, and it's a diamond ring. And she says, yes, and they hug and kiss, and we head back inside. Shortest proposal ever. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of talk back and forth on the Facebook group 
uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast group, which you can find on Facebook. And uh, some people liked it, some people didn't. I fell in the camp of, I thought it was awkward, but cute. I thought it kind of worked for the characters, but other people wanted more. Um, what did you guys think? You just described Glenn. Awkward, but cute. That's why I thought. That's why I thought it worked for him. You know, it just seemed like a very, you know, like I said before, that didn't seem like a very Rick thing to do. This seemed like a very Glenn thing to do. You know, he's not really. I don't know. It just it seemed fitting to me. I was happy with the way they did it. I'm glad they didn't drag it out and make it mushy. Yeah, given the environment, I think we're we're past that. And uh, yeah, I mean, and he even made a point of saying. It may only be for a week or a month or, you know, whatever. So I think he intentionally didn't want it to be this big, long, drawn out, official, you know, mushy thing, because I think he knows in his heart that, look, we could do this and it's the right thing to do. And we'll know, you know, when we, you know, go on to this to the next life or, you know, move on from this mortal coil that we were husband and wife. But I I think he's still very afraid that it's going to be very short-lived. If memory serves, I think, uh, you know how we as comic readers or even novel book readers, we have a to-read pile, you know, where we stack stuff up that we want to get to eventually. Yes, sir. I, th- I think, uh, like I said, if memory serves, uh, Glenn ran out to the to-be-burned pile of dead uh, zombies and uh, searched around until he found a ring. In the book? Yeah, I believe so. Gotcha. And either way it works. I, I liked both of them. And I also thought it was interesting that it was the same exact fingers that he cut off that the governor bit off of Merle. It was the pinky and ring finger of the left hand. Yeah, yeah. Freaky. A lot of flying fingers. Uh, there was also a scene, it's not here in my synopsis, but I, I did want to call it out just because I thought it was a really nice scene. It happened earlier in the episode, and it was Herschel, Maggie, and Beth sitting around a table with uh, Herschel reading from the Bible to them. And it was a very... It had the the feeling, kind of like a lot of this episode, like we said, of them knowing that they only have probably a day or two to live um, if things go down poorly. And it's kind of like him reading his daughters their last rites in a way. And, and it was it was kind of beautiful. It really spoke to me for, to the spiritual core of that character. You know, I mean, we've seen it in Herschel all along, going back to you know when he was introduced till now. And that's really, I think, what holds those three together is, is that spiritual core of family, you know. Yeah. I enjoyed that scene uh, a lot, but there's also another scene I wanted to bring up that you haven't touched on. It's earlier in the episode when Carol and Merle have a scene together, and she basically just point blank asks him, are you with us? And he's like, yeah, you know, we're in this prison. She said, no, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about location. I'm talking about are you with us? Are you part of the group? Are you, you know, against the governor like we are? And uh, I just thought that was a really a cool scene, especially for, for Carol and Merle even sums it up in saying, you know, you're not the same uh, person I remember. Um, and she's like, no, I'm I'm different. You know, I've changed. I just thought that was a really cool scene for Carol because I don't think Carol gets enough of the spotlight sometimes, and I hope that changes in the future. But um, I, I just really liked that one. That's just another scene uh, that we weren't touched on, but I wanted to bring up. She also had a great line at one point where it was kind of towards the end of the scene, I think, maybe the very last line, but he starts sassing her a little bit, and she basically tells him, shut the hell up, Merle. And it was just a nice, it, I mean, it was it was a strong moment for her, but it was also nice to see how she's gone from being physically, verbally, emotionally abused by her husband, Ed, to the strength of now when a very similar character in terms of tone and, and physical imposition 
you know, starts getting in her physical space, she is not afraid to tell them, I am having no part of this and stand her ground. And it was another nice moment for that character. She's quickly becoming a standout. Yeah, it's like Merle says she, you know, to like you say, you know, you're not the same Merle, you're not the same shrinking violet that I left behind or whatever, and then she proves it. Yeah, exactly. In the same scene. You know, it's weird. The Carol and Andrea characters, I have the very, I have the opposite reaction to them in the TV show versus the comic book. You know, Carol was not somebody in the comic book that I particularly was impressed with. And I would go as far as to call her annoying in the comic book yeah, for what little and, time she was around. Yeah, and Andrea uh, was just the opposite. You know, she's continues to be one of my favorite characters in the book. Um, and it's not that way on the TV show. I like Andrea. I beg your pardon. I like Carol, like, infinitely more than I like Andrea in the show. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So... Getting back to where we were with uh, Glenn and Maggie, he proposes, she says yes, and they head over to hear what Rick had to say to them. And uh, so Rick, you know, gathers the whole group who's there, and he tells them what happened. The governor offered, you know, you give us Michonne, we'll let you go free. And he said he was going to go through with it, but he changed his mind. He lets them know that Merle took Michonne on his own and Dara wants to stop him. And Rick says he knows he was wrong to not tell them. He knows he was wrong to even consider it. And he apologizes, and he says it wasn't his call to make a loan. And uh, he, he calls back to the end of season two, where he says basically, you know, remember last year when I told you, you know, from now on I'm to make the decisions? He says, we can't go about that. He says, this group is the greater good. I can't make decisions for the greater good. The greater good has to make decisions for themselves. And uh, they're still alive, and he's not going to be their governor they're going to be the greater good from now on, and they're going to make decisions together. And then uh, he tells them they're going to vote about staying and fighting or leaving the prison altogether, and then he leaves the group to make their decision. And as he goes outside to uh, stand watch for a while, he sees a, a Michonne approaching the prison fence and appears very happy to see her. And then we catch up with Daryl. And uh, Daryl arrives at the, uh, at the barn, at the grain silos, where uh, everything went down. And he finds dead bodies, he finds zombies... He finds zombies eating the dead bodies, and then he sees Ben's body and a zombie that is eating it, and uh, then the zombie looks up, and we get a really close-up shot of Merle's eyes, and he's clearly a zombie, and uh, Merle approaches Daryl, who uh, starts crying. He pushes his brother away a few times, and then he jumps on him, he knocks him down, and he stabs him in the head over and over, still crying, and then he falls back, back on his back on the ground, and... Uh, he, and he just weeps for what he had to do, what happened to his brother. It's a very cathartic moment. It's very sad. But uh, he got to put his brother out of his misery for the last time. And that is how we end the episode. Did anybody else think that Merle decomposed really quickly? <laughs> uh, he didn't look that decomposed. His eyes were yellow, but I don't know. He looked, yeah, I mean, he looked like he had some prosthetics going on. I mean, his face was like sunken in, his eyes were sunken in. I don't know. He just, he just looked like he was decomposing pretty quickly. Um, I mean, not, a, not a huge deal, but just, that's because he was already like. dead inside, man. <laughs> I thought that same um, thing, Russell, but I'm, I'm not gonna let that bug me. Yeah. I liked, yeah. I'm not gonna I liked let it. this scene too much to let that bug me. Oh yeah. It was a great scene. Yeah. Excellent scene. You know, what it bothered me more was with, uh, when Zane, when Shane got shot and turned. He looked like he decomposed really quickly for being dead for like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
And here, at least, it could have been a couple hours because, uh, you know, he was in a car, so. Right, right. But, but yeah, it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed kind of weird. Like, that we've seen zombies that are, you know, that have been dead for months and months and months, and they seem, some of them seem as decomposed or not much more decomposed than um, than Merle. Like I said, this is when my DVR cut away to channel eight or something. It was like ABC or I was like, what the heck? So it took me a while. I had to stop the recording. You know how DVRs are. They don't just do what you want all the time. And so, like I said, two hours later, I had to, I had to check back in. And um, I ended up watching that scene probably five times, just rewinding the whole thing and watching Norman Reedus. Uh, fine bit of acting on both of their parts. You know, it's always funny to, not funny, but interesting to see a character that you've been used to have to act like a zombie. You know, we've always seen, we've seen, we saw Shane for so long do his thing, and then now we have to see him as a zombie. And, you know, here we are watching Merle do the same thing. And uh, I think, you know, it was just, I think they both really handled the scene well. And, you know, when you're a zombie, you're going to act one way, right? You're going to act like a zombie, but you can either be a, a, a dumb zombie or a good zombie. And I felt that Merle, you know, ended up being a cool zombie and, and Daryl, God bless him, you know, he was just, it's hard, in my opinion, it's hard to, I've seen people act like they're sad or cry or whatever, and you can just tell they're like faking it, but this guy really looked torn up to me. I was just really impressed with the scene. And it was really well directed as well. This was another Greg Nicotero episode, this scene, uh, the marriage proposal scene, the fight scenes with uh, with Merle and Michonne killing the zombies, it all looked really great, in addition to the fine, fine acting. One of the things that impressed me with that scene is is that, you know, he took out Merle, Daryl did, and, you know, because it was his job to do, it's what he had to do, but you could tell he was definitely working out some aggression. It was it was like, you know, this is for all the times you, you know, kicked me in the head, this is for all the times you were, you know, mean and nasty to me, but yet at the same time he's broken up because his brother did take care of him and went out of his way in a lot of instances to take care of him, but but also abused him. So it was just this weird dichotomy of, of sadness and aggression that, that was going on. I also got this real big sense of almost a, a wordless, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? Why are you, why did you have yeah. to go away in, in that stabbing as well? Like, like everybody said, fantastically acted. So it looks like I'm one for one on my death predictions. Yes, sir. Well, actually, did you predict Ben was going to die? No, I don't. No, you said... You said Tyrese and um, and Sasha. Who's Sasha? His sister. No, I didn't say Tyrese. I said Tyrese's sister, which is Sasha. I didn't know her name at the time. Gotcha. So, uh, no, Ben was not one that I predicted. So I'm watching the Twitter right after this scene, and there was a lot of Dixon's Vixens that were pretty upset. And a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth, a lot of crying themselves to sleep, apparently. Um, but I think if this character was going to go out, he went out in the perfect way. He went down swinging, so to speak. He redeemed himself, and then the only person really that had the right to finish the job, his brother, ended up doing it, and uh, I I think it was very respectful of the character. And something uh, they talked about on Talking Dead, but we've also seen in the show, was um, going back a few scenes to when the governor shot him. If you remember back at the beginning of this season when we were introduced to Woodbury, their whole thing was, we do not leave our own as zombies. If our, one of our own goes down, we put them out of their misery. We do not let this happen to them. And uh, 
this was the governor totally going against that by purposefully uh, killing Merle in a way that would leave him as a zombie. Yep, just goes right along with the man he's turning out to be. Oh, yeah. Um, since I brought up Twitter, let's go ahead and get some Buster ratings out of the way here. Uh, Carl Hooker, Mr. Hooker, uh, says, Five out of five governor blocking bends. Only downside is the loss of a great actor from the series. Amazing episode. I would agree with that. Um, Milf Squared says, <laughs> <laughs> says five uh, busters. This episode crushed me completely. Too Short 35 says 10. It deserves a 10. Double busters. Um, Sean 3K says five Merle. I ain't going to begs. Donnie Salvo, our good buddy Donnie Salvo, says, I give it four and a half zombie rednecks. Rest in peace, Merle. That's all the Twitters. Wouldn't our <laughs> friends on Facebook have to say? Well, everybody seemed to really enjoy this episode. Uh, a lot of four, uh, 4.5 and five out of fives. Uh, Roger Austin, four out of five zombie zombified Merles. Uh, 4.5 Merle fingers from Heather Campbell Finch. Uh, five finger looking good governor finger snacks out of five from Michael Santana. Death of the Rictatorship, good call. Uh, four out of five boxes of Kleenex from uh, um, Liz Hill. Uh, we got uh, Harold Turk, 4.5 out of 5, Pied Piper of Zombies for me. Uh, Leslie Johnson, 4.75. Lots of tears in this one for me, and not just at the end. Uh, Terry Bernard, 4.5 out of 5. I thought this episode was great, and uh, he was skeptical about Scott Gimple taking over, but after seeing this last couple of episodes that he had written, he's pretty excited about him being the new showrunner. I have to echo that, too. I think Gimple's episodes have been really impressive so far, so I'm hoping for good things in the new season. Uh, Mike Jones, four spinner rims out of five. Uh, Brian Arnold gave it five zombie wedding rings out of five. Uh, Cody Hinkle gave it three and a half busters. Decent episode with emotional ending. I think I'll enjoy it more on a rewatch since the season is on Blu-ray and or Marathon. Uh, we got uh, Everard uh, Santa Marina, 4.5 out of 5 busters. Um, we had a lot, a lot of people really enjoyed this one. The lowest I, I, I see here is a 3.5. Uh, some one of the people that gave it a 3.5 was Rob Toll. Um, yeah, but mo- most of, most of the scores are right around 4, 4.5, and 5. If you'd like to be a part of our Facebook group, the Walking Dead TV podcast group, you are certainly invited to do so. We have a lot of cool uh, discussions and little news tidbits as the weeks go on, and uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of good talk there. So check that out. Jim, go ahead and give us your busters. I give this one a four point five. I really liked it. I had some weird moments uh, that was very similar to what Russ had brought up as far as like you know Rick even struggling all that much with the idea of giving. Uh, you know, Michonne uh, to the governor in, in exchange for the prisoner's uh, safety. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't really see Rick. It, you know, Russ made a very good point. Rick's smarter than that, at least the Rick I, I know anyway. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a really strong episode. I mean, if Merle had to go out, this is a great way for him to go out, you know, and uh, it was all, it's always, I gave it an extra point five because they played Motorhead. Um <laughs> I just uh, I thought I thought it was really strong and it's really amped me up for the season finale. I can't wait to see what goes down. So, four point five. I'm gonna give this a four two five. I, I really did enjoy it. I had a couple of those logic problems at the beginning, a couple other little things that bothered me, but in general, very solid. And the ending was fantastic. So four point two five. I'll give it four. 
Uh, I, th- I thought it was a really, really solid episode. I think the things that worked well definitely outweighed in a big way the things that I had issues with, mainly, you know, like Jim and I had talked about, the the Rick giving up Michonne. I, th- I thought the tracking thing was a little hokey, like when Daryl went in that part of the prison and was like, oh, there's a scuffle and somebody was dragged off. I was like, that's... It just it seemed like Daryl's tracking skills are so so amped up. It's almost like superhuman in a way. Um, but it, it just, a, just a little pit for you. And then the whole bit with, with why Merle put the, the, the cloth over Michonne's head, um, especially when he, she knew where he was, it's like no secret as to where he was taking her. It just, and then the, we see her again and it's off. So it just, it just seemed kind of weird. But, um, but again, those are just minor things. Uh, the, the, the bit with, with Maggie and Glenn was, was just fantastic. And then, and then the, 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 the Dixon brothers endings was, was just, uh, was really really solid. So four four for me. I'm gonna give it four and a half finger snacks. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, not enough buckets of blood for me. Like I said, uh, should have been more death because I think we're gonna be on death overload next uh, episode. But that's fine. You know, sometimes those are the best ones when it's just all hell breaking loose. So um, yeah, I'm ready for next week. I can't wait. Is it is it Sunday yet? <laughs> almost, almost. What's, uh, what does Aaron, our buddy Aaron, have to say? Aaron says, Hey guys, I have some summarized thoughts of this week's episode, This Sorrowful Life. It started off on some shaky footing to get Merle and Michonne on the road together, but the episode definitely got better as it went along. While Merle hasn't been a favorite character of mine, let alone one I was rooting for, this show did some fine work with sending him off. He hasn't been incredibly consistent in my eyes, but Rooker sold how he was written in this episode, making his pivotal moments work for the show. Having him say a line like, I can't just go back, worked just as well as watching him lure walkers to the governor's meeting point while blasting Motorhead. Merle's last stand was also quite effective in being an action sequence that didn't feel random. It had purpose and consequences, and it led to the well-handled final moments of the Dixon brothers. I have more thoughts in the main review, but basically, to quote Mike Jones, I hope Rick stops seeing things and does more interesting stuff after the manslaughter that I assume will happen in the finale next week. Four out of five busters for this week. Let's all hope for a strong finish. And of course, you can go to hhwlod.com or walkingdeadtv.com to see Aaron's full rev- full written review, which is fantastic. And uh, we always appreciate the work he puts into them every week. So thank you, Aaron. I have a nameless a voicemail uh, concerning this episode, so let's play that. Hi. Last week's episode was heartbreaking. Merle was one of my favorite characters. I know he wasn't the best man, but, you know, some of us could see the softness in him, and it finally came out last night. And he went out in a blaze of glory. He went out, <laughs> I'm close to standing up to fantasy, but he was a great, great character. But I think he redeemed himself last night. And um, on a brighter note, Glenn cutting the finger off the walker. Yeah, many fans, you know, waiting for that you know, I'm a big fan of the comic book, and that was just amazing. But overall, it was just it's heartbreaking. Daryl, there's just no words. It was a great episode, and now I'm, like, terrified to find out what's going to happen next week. But I just thought I'd uh, leave my opinion on it. Rest in peace, Merle. We love you. I'll just say thank you for the voicemail, and it's nice to see that the episode worked so well for so many people, especially in those final moments. Well, I think that's it for this episode, but of course, stick around after we send it out if you want to hear the uh, the short synopsis of next week's episode, of course, that'll be mildly spoilery, but not too much, 
And uh, then, of course, maybe some bloopers at the end. So, until next week, you can send us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Or an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted, Legion of Dudes, The PKD Black Box, and Out Now with Aaron and Abe. And all of those shows can be found on Facebook as well. And of course, you can follow this show on Twitter at WDTV Podcast or the network as a whole at HHWLOD underscore network. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, if you like to gamble, I tell you, I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. The pleasure is to play. Makes no difference what you say. I don't share your greed. The only card I need is the Ace of Spades. Have a good week, everybody. So next week... On The Walking Dead, like we said, this is very slightly spoilery, but the episode, the season finale for this season, is entitled Welcome to the Tombs, which is a fantastic title, by the way. And the plot synopsis we have from AMC is, Rick and the group have to seriously consider if the prison is worth defending as the governor's impending attack looms over their heads. Did you guys see any of the uh, previews? I did. I saw the one of uh, the governor and his men coming up to the prison, and then it cut away before you really see anything. But uh, that's the only one I saw. Did you see anything different? Yeah. Um, there was just the normal preview that they show at the end of each episode. Oh, that's true. Week. With a uh, lot of explosions and gunfire and yeah, zombies. But, uh, you know, so that, those put together, it leads, you, it leads you, the viewer to believe that perhaps the group actually did leave the prison. So it'll be interesting to, to figure out what happens. Cause... Or they've set up an elaborate series of traps inside. Yeah, right. Which I would love to see, almost like a good guy version of Saw. There's a bunch of cardboard cutouts that are set up of each member of the cast. <laughs> so when they come through the middle, they just blow the whole thing up and watch from afar. Same plot as Blazing Saddles. <laughs> oh, is that what? Dang it. I hate when I get those mixed up. Well, let's not go to Camelot. It's a silly place. Anybody have any more predictions like we had last week for the season finale, or have we covered everything already? I think Brad's "Everybody Dies" prediction is pretty uh, is pretty elaborate. <laughs> they have to go out big, man. They just have to. If none of our main characters die, it's going to feel cheap. In a bloodbath like that, we're assuming there will be a bloodbath. It was a firefight. You know, if they're if they're actually going to go to war, like Rick says. People got to die, and it would be unrealistic for everybody in our cast to make it out of that. I, I agree. I don't know that as many people as you predicted will die, but I agree. A lot of people need to die in this one. Stuff's certainly going to blow up, I can tell you that much. Andrew Lincoln, in an Entertainment Weekly article, said that 27 people will die in the finale. Wow. Although the governor did have a lot of people with him, so. True. But still, even with that. Yeah. I I think, and I, I've talked about this before, but I'll reiterate it again. I think it's going to end on a true cliffhanger this season. That we're going to actually, we're not going to get a complete resolution to this battle or whatever's going to happen. That there's going to be some high dramatic moment that's going to cut off um, and lead us to the next season. The only problem with doing that, though, and maybe a reason why they won't, is I'm sure um, Chandler Riggs is going to grow another foot and in, in a beard probably over that over the, the hiatus, and it'll look really funky if no time is supposed to have passed, and he just looks older. Have a good week, everybody. Long. Hey, you
Vikings coming up Millhouse. I'm going to say it again. Deja vu. <laughs> or Vujade. Or as the French say, this has happened before. So, Girl Season 1 was awesome. I'm now halfway through Season 2, loving it just as much. Have you any of you guys seen any of it? I think we've had this conversation before. No, I haven't seen it. Sorry. <laughs> the episode where her and her roommate go and to a club high on cocaine is one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Cocaine is hilarious. Are funny. Yeah. <laughs> cocaine is so funny. Uh, but yeah. I, oh, um, nope. That's something completely unrelated. Never mind. <laughs> I just remembered something that had nothing to do with Walking Dead, and I was going to share it, but then I realized this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. I'm just thrilled that I remembered something because I have a hard time with that sometimes. I, I fully understand, sir. Yeah. It ends with Rick and the governor both pointing guns at each other. Cut to black. Are we in rampant speculation land now? Because I might speculate it. Speculate all you want, sir. What do you think the price of gas is going to be next week? Uh, does it have a flashlight? Does your hat have a flashlight on it? No, it does not. Do you have a canary? Are you, you should have a canary. Are you in Europe? Do you need an adapter? Um... <laughs> 